Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and a few days are going to be like this one. It's I'm posting this on the 26th day of September 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, looking at a sunset right now, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Uh, It's funny that there's always a danger of when you do a daily podcast, if you do some ahead of time, you can sometimes not be ready for a big event when it happens. And, And I thought I was being clever by doing my Vin Scully podcast uh, uh, and that I recorded at Johnny Carson Park, except I'm going to coincide that with uh, Vin Scully's final, the day of Vin Scully's final game. And I uploaded it, and just as I was finished uploading it, I got the news of what happened in Miami with Jose Fernandez. And I wondered, should I not post this Vin Scully one? What should I do? Should I, should I unpost it? I said, no, no, it's beauty of this podcast for me is that there'll be another one the next day and today I, I, and I'm glad I didn't immediately record a podcast an emergency podcast because if there was anything that showed the emotional need and the emotional value of sports it was what happened on Sunday, September 25th, 2016. We wake up to news that, to me, was simply incomprehensible. I saw a bunch of people were posting pictures and memes of Jose Fernandez, and I just assumed, what happened? He, he probably, what, he was, hopefully, I said to myself, I hope it's not a scandal, because he was one of my favorite players. Absolutely. And he was one of the people that made me feel good about being a baseball fan. And then I'm hearing the sadness of Fernandez. And I started thinking of like Jan Jurevis Solardi of the Padres with the tragedy in his family with his wife passing. I thought, did something happen? I know how close he was with his parents and everything, with his mother and his grandmother with Jose Fernandez. And the more I just started to read the more I realized that Jose Fernandez was dead. And and even saying that out loud, it's just it's surreal. And now, I, I've talked about this many, many times, that celebrity deaths, for the most part, are something where I don't feel a tremendous amount of personal sadness because I don't personally know them. And I don't feel like an emotional loss because I still will always have everything that I'd connected to him, whether it's a movie or whether it's a, a, a baseball player or a book or whatever it is, I'll still have the, their, however they affected my life won't change. I just figured it's worth a salute. Uh, for example, we found out later today in this day that just, in this year of people passing that just won't ever quit, uh, we found out that Arnold Palmer passed away. Uh, as much as, as a sad moment that is, there is a sense of he did everything he lived a good long life. He achieved every, everything anyone could have imagined. And it's a life worth celebrating. It's a life worth saluting. 
And that's a sort of a moment when he passes, you go, like, oh, well, best, you know, all the best to Arnold. Let's salute this wonderful life. For Jose Fernandez, it's this sense of sadness that we were only beginning to see it. We were only beginning to scratch the surface of this remarkably talented pitcher who also was was more than just his numbers. Now, he happened to have wonderful numbers. In fact, in terms of who owns baseball, this is just the way it, it turned out, that he has the highest WOB total of any National League pitcher in who owns baseball for for. 2016, and it's unlikely that any pitcher will surpass his total. And you can make a strong case for him, especially with the injury to Clayton Kershaw that's going to prevent him from putting up the the season-long totals that you would expect from Clayton Kershaw that he was projected to, that the National League Cy Young Award is going to be wide open, and we could have a posthumous Cy Young Award for Jose Fernandez. And would anyone really object? I mean, you may put Arietta higher. You may want to vote. You know, there may be other people who you find personally uh, worthy or in the conversation. But would anyone truly object to Jose Fernandez winning the Cy Young Award? Would it truly be something terrible because he had a spectacular season? And whenever he pitched, you got the sense that he was going to throw seven or eight innings and he was going to strike out 13 or 14 batters. But he was doing so in a way that there was a sense of fun. There was a sense of happiness. He was a young kid who missed parts of two seasons due to his surgery, came back and came back better than ever. It was the rookie year in 2013, and I always wondered, you know, uh, Ozzie Guillen must be like, geez, if I just lasted one more year in Miami, I would have had this guy as my ace. You know, pitched spectacularly as a 20-year-old all-star rookie of the year, Cy Young contender, striking out 187 batters at 172 and two-thirds innings, and having just, and no one could hit him. And came back from his surgery and by 2015 was spectacular again. And this year, everything was clicking. Highest uh, strikeout per nine inning ratio. The best FIP in the entire league. Wins, low ERA, high, incredibly high strikeout total. 253 strikeouts in 182 innings. And doing so with a flair for the dramatic I mean, if you just look at his his game log, if you go to baseballreference.com, the single greatest weapon, single greatest weapon, hell, single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, you'll just see game after game of double-digit strikeouts here, double-digit strikeouts there. But as I keep saying, it was more than just his ability and the flair for the dramatic. He was having fun. It was fun. He was up there. He would smile. He would react to the players. He would give a nod to the pitcher if he threw a wild, a great pitch at him. He was he was a flamboyant that he could back it up. In in, in a, even in a more joyful way than Pedro Martinez, who's my favorite player of all time. 
You look at a player like Jose Fernandez and you just wish that that was the norm. That he was a kid playing this game and having a huge amount of fun in the process doing it. And I, I always, anytime he pitched, you're damn right I was flipping the MLB app to go and watch it. Because that's the kind of a pitcher he was. And rumors flying around, is he going to be traded in the offseason? And of course, as a Red Sox fan, I'm salivating at the idea of him possibly becoming a Red Sox. And dreading the idea of him becoming a Yankee. But do you know what? In a way, I, in a way, the, the Marlins were the perfect team for him. Not just because he was Cuban, but because he was had this... When I think of Miami, I think of flamboyancy. I think of dramatic. I think of colorful. And he's playing in that crazy colorful stadium with a weird-ass sculpture and the fish behind him. And he behind home plate and the weird sort of, you know, you're like you're in the middle of the Barbie dream house or something like that. And he fit in that. He made that weird Marlins uniform look good with all the orange and teal and all the colors exploding on it. He wore it well. He was the ideal Miami player. And you just kept thinking, because I have this weird fixation with the Marlins. And they seem to, you know, they won those two World Series. And I kept thinking, if they won another World Series, heaven forbid if you're a Cub fan, if they won another World Series, I thought it would be so wonderful that, first of all, Giancarlo Stanton, who is, I think, statistically the greatest Marlin of all time. But then you'd have Jose winning it. And the exuberance and the fun and the joy he brings to the game. And the joy that he brings with the stories that he he had of this incredible childhood in, in Cuba and going to jail for trying to escape and saving a woman in the water while trying to escape. And he didn't even know who it was. It turned out to be his own mom. And escaping by boat, getting to Mexico and finally to Florida. And with that background, to do it with a smile, with happiness. There's a wonderful shot of that was post, being posted around that after a game where he dominated the Dodgers in Dodgers Stadium, they had a fireworks night. He grabbed a chair on the field, sat down, and watched the fireworks. There's, for a man who only played, what, four seasons in the major leagues, there's a never-ending flood of tales of his teammates talking about things that he did, selfless things that he did, supportive things that he did, looking after a child in a wheelchair, you know, signing things and, and going out of his way when they were playing the game in Fort Bragg, doing things for the troops. He got it. We had a guy who was handsome, flamboyant, talented, electrifying and who got it and we lost him at age 24 in a boating accident and all I can think of is what what games were we denied and you think about some of the great pitchers who had those dominating moments or those spectacular moments in the postseason 
Pedro coming out and throwing six no-hit innings out of the bullpen. The the Madison Bumgarner postseason of 2014. The Oral Hershiser postseason of 1988. The Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson postseason of 2001. Were we denied that? Were we denied one of those moments? I bet we were. And so you look at that and go, all these hypotheticals. And I really thought, man, how could I even think about baseball on a game day like today? And then came what happened in Dodger Stadium. And I wasn't watching the game. I'm in Southern California. I wasn't watching the game for it. I was doing other things. And I frankly felt strange just watching a game as if it was just a normal day. But when I saw it was a Dodgers were losing by one run going into the bottom of the ninth, and I knew it was Vin Scully's final game. I thought, you know what? I'll turn it on. And, you know, some people asked, you know, thought I, I kind of was hard on Vin Scully the other day, which I said he's one of the top five broadcasters of all time. Well, how is that being hard when you put someone in the pantheon? Um, but and, and with that respect, I said, you know what? I'm not going to hear this guy call a game again. I'm going to listen to it. And the the pitcher for the Rockies had a great Vin Scully name. His name was, um, oh, what what was it? Uh, Adam Atanavio. Just a great, uh, a great Vin Scully name. And he got two quick outs. And I thought, you know what? I started thinking like, well, Vin Scully's career is probably going to end with Corey Seager popping up or something like that. And... You know, we can't ask for much more. I mean, what what else do we want? And, of course, with two outs, Corey Seager hits a game-tying homer. Place goes bananas. We get extra Vin Scully. And in the bottom of the 10th inning, with two outs and nobody on, a guy who <laughs> woke up this morning to the news of Jose Fernandez's death, and had no idea that he was going to ink himself into immortality. Charlie Culberson. Probably as anonymous a player as you can find. A major leaguer. No, not exactly someone who is on the tip of your tongue in terms of great players. Hit a two-out bottom of the 10th inning home run. His third hit of the day. I haven't figured out who owned baseball, but do you know what? I have a feeling he did. And with that, Vin Scully's final call, his final call, was calling a walk-off home run in the bottom of the 10th inning that clinched the division. Even as someone who's rooting for the Giants this year, I have to say, I got choked up. And Vin Scully's final call that he said was talking about the uh, the celebration for the Dodgers, and he said the Dodgers are celebrating on time. So think about what we had today. We had a young man who represented the future of the game, the direction the game can be headed, and everything positive about that future everything positive and hopeful about the future of baseball. 
and he was taken away with all the possibilities of his future just ripped. I mean, I hope the Marlins retire his number. I hope the Marlins have a ceremony. I hope he wins the Cy Young Award. I truly do. I hope the Marlins put his, his, the, the mother of his child, he's, she's pregnant with his child. I hope they put her on the payroll. A million bucks a year. You can afford it, Marlins. Or eventually trade her to the Cubs. And all the possibilities of what a Jose Fernandez future would be on the mound were just taken away from us when we woke up in the morning and said, nope, you don't have that anymore. That's gone. That's no longer part of baseball. He's in the past. And then we saw the ending of a career, a career that began in Brooklyn, a career that began calling games where the names were Jackie Robinson and Pee Wee Reese and Duke Snyder and ended with Corey Seager and Charlie Culberson. Started on radio in New York City in the 1950s and ended on the internet on the MLB.com app, unless, of course, you're in Los Angeles, and then you had to go, hopefully you had Time Warner Cable. That's a whole different story. There's no other way you can say, if only Vince Scully did what? Did what? Call another World Series? Call another no-hitter? What? How could it be more perfect than that? What ending could be more perfect than that? And I guess in one day... We saw the best possible ending and the cruelest possible ending. We saw a career have the perfect proverbial sticking the landing, the Hollywood ending in Hollywood itself. And in the other, you saw the most cruel ending, where not only was someone instantly taken away, shockingly taken away, but with all the promise of the future ripped away. I didn't prepare any of this. I just wanted to speak extemporaneously and what was going through my mind. And that's what's going through my mind. The best ending and the worst ending happened at the same time today on September 25th, 2016. And that's what I'm posting on this podcast for the 26th day of September 2016. Funny thing is, I had an evergreen podcast that I was going to post today. Nope. Nope. There are other things to talk about. Goodbye, Jose Fernandez. Goodbye, Vin Scully. I loved how to say goodbye to one, and the other was just cruel. Go to sullybaseball.com. Go to mlbreports.com to see the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. You can like me on Facebook. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, uh, Instagram. I'm at Sully Baseball Podcast. You can send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. Music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 26th day of September 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Man, let's have an easy day. And you can call me Sully. <laughs>